Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode number three of the NHL Trade Talk podcast. My name is Jim Parsons. I'm here with NHLTradeTalk.com and the Hockey Raiders. I will be joined in a minute by Brooke Laferno of the Hockey Raiders as well. This is the show we were really excited to do because we knew coming out of the NHL entry draft in 2022 that there was going to be some trades to talk about, but we did not know that there would be this many trades. In fact, if you take a look at the last few drafts, you probably wouldn't be able to combine them and get as much action as we got in Montreal over these two days in terms of people moving and things happening and unexpected trades that took place, especially when you're talking about Montreal and Chicago. Those were the two biggest teams uh, that did most of their moving this weekend. So we're going to break it all down. We're going to talk about trades from Chicago's perspective, talk about what Montreal did. We're going to talk about the goalie carousel. We're going to talk about a move that sent some salary cap space out of Edmonton. Uh, We're going to get into all of this. And a Minnesota trade, well, not a trade so much as a signing, that could lead to a potential trade as Cam Talbot on its way out of the Minnesota Wild organization. We're going to talk about that too. So enjoy, relax, spend the next 40 minutes with us or so. This is episode three of the NHL Trade Talk podcast. Don't forget, leave us a review, Apple Podcasts, your favorite podcast platforms, Download, subscribe, we're a brand new show. We really enjoy doing these and we hope that you guys enjoy listening. So help us out, leave us a rating, share this with others, and enjoy episode three of NHL Trade Talk, the podcast. Welcome back, everybody. Another edition of NHL Trade Talk, the podcast. As always, Jim Parsons here from NHLTradeDuck.com and the Hockey Raiders with Brooke Laferno from the Hockey Raiders as well. Brooke, how are you? I'm great. Uh, got a lot to talk about today, so yeah. this should be fun. Yeah, this was the show that we had planned on doing because we knew that after the draft, the two days of the draft were over, there was going to be trades to talk about. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about the draft itself, but this podcast is really mostly about the action that happened around the selections, which were teams moving and shaking up their rosters a little bit, trying to get picks, trying to move money out. Uh, all that stuff did happen this weekend. So um, we're going to talk about a lot of those things, but we we got to start with your team, the one that you cover most extensively for the Hockey Raiders, the Chicago Blackhawks. Probably, arguably, the biggest movers and shakers of the weekend. They move Alex Dabrinkit, Kirby Doc. Uh, they acquire Peter Mrazek. We're not sure if they're done. There's all sorts of speculation now about what's going to happen with players like Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves. So uh, let's get your reaction first and foremost. I saw some of your tweets this weekend. Uh, Mm -hmm. You had sort of two layers. You were one very kind of not real happy, and then you calmed down and you came down a little bit from uh, what had happened with the DeBrinca trade. So go ahead. What what was your reaction to what Chicago did this weekend? Well, uh, for the viewers listening, I did write a whole article about my thoughts on the Debrinka trade. And to be honest, I thought I'd sit on it and whatever, but I still have strong feelings on it. I think it was an awful trade, first and foremost. I was excited because Kyle Davidson, the general manager, did such a good job with Brandon Hagel that I thought, oh boy, if he was able to get that for Hagel, the sky's the limit for Debrinka. And it seemed like the fact that he could only get three draft picks for Debrinka is not enough for him. I think where he missed the mark there was he needed to get a top prospect or a top player in return. When Jack Eichel got traded um, to Vegas, they did get, or the Sabres got Alex Tuck. They got an impact player in return. That's what I would expect from someone like Debrinket. So I felt like they sold really, really low on him. And I don't know if that will work in their favor, to be honest, unless the seventh overall pick who turned into Kevin Korchinski turns out to be 
amazing. Then we'll laugh about this later, but I I don't see it. I think that hurt them more than helped their rebuild for sure. I think it was an awful move. <laughs> well, they said, uh, Davidson said that this was the player that they had targeted and they wanted to get into the top 10, which they were able to do, but I'm sort of with you. I don't even know. I get it. Chicago is in a situation where they don't expect to be very good for the next few years. And Dabrinkit is a really solid player who's going to probably be his best in the next, say, two to five years, uh, which doesn't necessarily line up with the Chicago Blackhawks uh, development plan. I still wouldn't trade him. Like, I just wouldn't consider moving him. I just think that this is a team that chose to just go scorched earth at the worst possible draft time. I mean, this is one, I guess you could argue that the middle picks in the first round were, uh, you know, anybody's guess, but so you could hit a home run here, but nobody was really projected to be a massive difference maker uh, for the NHL in the future. So you're picking players that may or may not ever really play in the NHL. So moving to brink it out just felt like sort of a panicky move to me where Davidson was like, look, we've decided we got to move this player. Uh, we got to move them now because there's mm-hmm. really no reason to hang on. We're doing this rebuild immediately. And they took what they could get. I know Philly was in the mix, but not very serious with the fifth pick. New Jersey didn't pan out, even though Tom Fitzgerald said that he was actively trying to move that second pick and just couldn't get it done. So they ended up selecting their selection, but yeah, I don't know. I'm with you. It was underwhelming return for me. Um, Things switched around a little bit, though, with Kirby Doc. One, I would assume that you were sort of shocked by the trade, uh, mm-hmm. but you felt the return was a little stronger. Is that true? Yes. Um, I actually, when the trade happened, I was like, okay, that's better. That was a, okay, that was better. Um, Kirby is interesting because the Blackhawks wanted him to be kind of like the next taste for the next 15 years, and it just never worked out for him. And I was pretty harsh on him on Blackhawks banter all year long. I just didn't see it from him. I didn't see much that impressed me. And maybe that was because of his injury history. Maybe his confidence was shot. There's a lot of factors in there, but it just... Yeah, he just didn't click in Chicago for whatever reason, but Montreal seems like a perfect fit for him um, because they got a young core and maybe because of the new coaching staff, he'll do better, that kind of thing. But And I'm actually happy with the 13th pick that they got with um, Frank um, Nazar. I think he'll be a really good player for them. Hopefully, we'll see. Again, we might laugh at that later, be like, really, bro? What was that? But um, I'm okay with that for sure. I didn't think Kirby was worth a top 13 pick uh the way he played last year so the fact that he was I was shocked I'm like okay yeah you got to make that move so that was better in my opinion and I wish Kirby the best for sure yeah okay so for people that don't I mean a lot of people listening to this podcast probably follow trade so we'll just very quickly run down what it was so Alex Debrinka goes to the Ottawa Senators for a 2022 first round pick uh 2022 second round pick and a 2024 third round pick uh, then he, the Chicago Blackhawks pick up Kirby Doc and send Alexander Romanoff, or excuse me, uh, Montreal picks up Kirby Doc, sends Alexander Romanoff to the Islanders. Um, so there's lots of moving parts here. What were you thinking when all of this stuff was going down in the first round, when these announcements were made and then Chicago was there? And it was like Montreal went crazy, one, because they traded Alexander Romanoff, which I don't think fans were really loving. No. But then all of a sudden they announced they got Kirby Doc. So then Montreal's like, oh, okay, well, that's cool. We like that. Mm-hmm. Um, one, were you surprised by how much action Chicago and Montreal did in that first round? And two, do you think there's something else going on with Kirby Doc that maybe people aren't aware of? Like, is his wrist injury still going to be a problem for him, do you think? Is this something that you know maybe montreal knows more about player the player than everybody else does because 
it seems strange that there weren't more teams in on dock. Yeah, uh, I agree with that. I was, I wasn't surprised. I think on Montreal, because like you said, they had a lot of moving parts that I think we kind of figured might turn into something. The Blackhawks for sure, because I really thought the only person worth anything was to bring it. I thought Kirby probably was maybe worth second or third. I didn't think he'd get a first for sure, but I am surprised that they were able to be that active. Let's put it that way. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you on Kirby because like I said, I was tough on him and said, I didn't see much that impressed me last year. And like I said, players have down years. I hope that's just what it was at next year's his breakout year, hopefully, cause he just never lived up to the third overall pick, um, thing, but Mark Lazarus of the athletic who does write for the Blackhawks did write some interesting things about, um, Kirby. And it was kind of stuff like maybe they were questioning his work ethic. Yeah. Like you said, maybe they were questioning his injury. Maybe there was some things we weren't aware of And the previous head coach, Derek King earlier on in the season made a quote about him. That was interesting. It was something like if Kirby wants to commit to being a better person and player on and off the ice. And we were like, what does that mean? Like, mm, so there's a lot that. of things. Yeah, see, yeah, so it's it's interesting. I I do wonder what the case is there. I don't think it was just the play, though. Um, I think there was something there. Like, maybe they were just like, okay, a change is needed. He needs a fresh start. We need a fresh start. It works out for both sides kind of thing. But, yeah, there, it is interesting. I'll be uh, following that to see how that turns out in Montreal because, yeah, it's strange. It'll be, it'll be fascinating because it could be a home run for the Canadians, and it could be a disaster. Like if Doc yeah. never rebounds after what was protected of him. And then that, and that injury was pretty gruesome. Like that was brutal. Uh, if he never quite gets back to the level that they had projected him to be, this could look bad on Montreal, especially in the, really the reality is you remove Romanoff to get him. So um, there's a defense and a lot of people really kind of like, what was your take on the um, Peter Morazic stuff? Um, so um, I don't know. I mean, Dubas looks great, I guess, for dumping this, but uh, Chicago picks him up. Uh, they, I think they think he can still be a pretty decent goaltender next year. I mean, obviously, they're not trying to win, but he's going to be better than he was last year, I have to assume. Yeah, I, I wasn't too happy about that, to be honest with you. Um, It's not Morazic as much. It's just more like I don't really think he's a fit with the Blackhawks, to be honest, with where they are right now. I do think he'll be better than he was next year, but they already had kind of two younger goaltenders in Lankanen, um, Kevin Lankanen and Colin Dealey, and I thought maybe it'd be probably best to stick with them. If they're going to blow it all up, stick with your young goaltenders and build from there, because I don't know if Peter Morazic is really the future, let's say, um, on the team. But I know Kyle Davidson said he's a goalie. He is a goalie. That's He's an NHL yeah. goalie who could win you games, and that's – I know – they don't say they want to tank, obviously, but yeah, I just, I don't think it's a fit, but I understand he's better than what they had. So that's something to be celebrated. We'll see though. I just don't see it as a perfect fit to be honest with you, but it could be a good fit. We'll see. I wrote an article on NHLTradeTalk.com where I believe, and this is just a personal opinion of mine, and I'm not sure if it'll come true or not, but I believe these trades as much about rebuilding and moving out pieces like the Brinkett and Doc uh, are almost as equally as about sending a message to Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves and saying, you know what, we're not going to ask you to leave. We're not going to tell you that we want you to go. Your entire career has been played here. Patrick Kane, especially is still a really good player, but I think these trades are meant to jog them into motivating themselves to ask out. Do you think I'm wrong? I think that Chicago's probably going, look, we need you to come to us and tell us that it's time to move on and we will happily trade you. But until you do that, 
uh, we're going to just understand that your contracts are what they are. Do you think Kane now comes to Chicago and says, okay, guys, <laughs> really? Like yeah. you, you moved to Brinkett, you moved everybody. Like, I gotta yeah. say, I gotta go. What, what are you going to do? Um, I agree with that for sure. I don't think, like you said, they're trying to force him out. I think they're trying to make them make that decision, but um, yeah, I think we kind of thought about this a few years ago that maybe it would be best if Kane and Taze moved on for their sake, because we knew that this was going to be, obviously this was a problem. This has been like five years in the making that this was bad. Now that they blew it up, now it's going to get obviously really bad. And they talk about wanting to win while they're not going to win here, unfortunately. And I love Kane. I'd love if he would stick around. I don't think it makes sense on his part to stay with everything that's going on. He is, you know, 33, going to be 34. He needs to win now he can't do that here so I think it would be best for him to leave as much as it hurts it would be great to see him play he's a joy to watch he makes the rebuild even though it was painful few years he made it fun just like Alex Debrinkit did so it's tough but I I do see now that all this happened that he's probably like okay first you just made some kind of um, little trades over the past few years like getting rid of Schmaltz and bringing in Strom and all that kind of stuff and that's okay but now you got rid of Kirby Doc and Alex Debrinkit now you're sending a message that we're blowing this up no one's safe and uh, it's going to get dark. So that's up to you. Stay. We'll happily have you. But yeah, like you said, I think Kyle Davidson's being smart about that on his part. He's not going to lie to them, but it's up to them at the end of the day. He's happy either way. Yeah. You know what though? I, I mean, I hear what you're saying. I almost, I guess the point of my article was that I started to respectfully disagree in the fact that I think Davidson actually isn't happy to have them there. I think he yeah. wants them to want out. And I mm-hmm. think that's kind of the idea here is that it's like Patrick Kane should want out on his own. Like if you're looking at this situation and you're going, oh, one more, one more year in my contract, I'm still a really solid player. I could be really productive. I could hit another home run in free agency, even though I'm uh, getting a little bit older, he's still very, very productive. He's not going to be, uh, he's, he's Patrick Kane. So he's going to be wanted by teams, no matter what happens, if he finishes out his contract in Chicago, or whatever, but he should want to go to a contender. He should want to go to a team where he can be really productive and play with some solid players and put up huge numbers so that he can get the most he can get on the next possibly last deal of his NHL career. I would think Patrick Kane wants to go. I think Davidson is actively trying to say to them, we don't want you here. Like we have moved every possible piece. That's going to make you successful. Even though you are Patrick Kane and you're pretty damn good on your own. We want you to understand. We're not going to help you. We're not giving you anything to work with here. You should probably ask out. Now, I don't yeah. know what happens with Jonathan Taves because his production and his effectiveness has sort of wavered and declined a lot in the last couple of years. So I'm not sure if there's anybody willing to take a $10 mm-hmm. million Jonathan Taves. Um, but Chicago's probably willing to eat half of that. So will somebody take a $5 million? I don't know. Like, it'll be very, very interesting. But I don't think there they're done. Be some. Yeah, there could be a two-sided thing that he's not going to tell the media, like you said, for sure. I want them gone, but he's going to say, I want them here, but this is what happened kind of thing. I do understand that there could be kind of a couple layers to that. That's interesting, but I don't disagree with that notion either. Yeah, and I'm with you too. I don't think he's ever publicly going to say, yeah, we don't really want them here. Um, You don't do that to guys that have played their entire career and helped you win all those cups. You just don't do that, right? So. All right, let's move on a little bit. Um, Let's talk about a trade that happened that I was a little surprised by. Not so much that the trade itself happened because we'd heard rumors that Carolina was telling Tony D'Angelo to check out the market and see if he could find a taker for him. I'm not even surprised that he went to Philadelphia because from what I understand, before he signed in Carolina, he wanted to go to Philadelphia. He wanted to be a flyer. 
and they just weren't prepared to commit to him based on his history with the Rangers and his reputation, but he does get traded to Philadelphia. And then they immediately sign him to a two-year deal with some pretty big money. Uh, what did you think of that deal? Um, are you surprised that they signed him to that kind of a, or did, did his years in Carolina or a year in Carolina maybe yeah. make it obvious that this was probably going to happen? Yeah, I mean, they kind of set out right, I think, after the season ended, that they'll let them test the market. Usually that means they're gone. I mean, that means they could come, but means you're gone usually. But I wasn't surprised by the term, actually. It was kind of felt like he has been a productive defenseman over the years. It is what he is. He had 51 points in 64 games last year. He was a plus 30. I mean, he can be productive. Um, mm-hmm. But So I wasn't surprised by that notion. I was surprised by the trade itself, though. I thought he would just get signed on the market just kind of like it just seems like it's kind of slow for the rights the signing rights to players right now so I was surprised by that and how much Philly gave up for that but they obviously must have really wanted him but granted knowing those stats compared to what they've had is a lot better than what they've had so I kind of get the notion there yeah I'm surprised more by the trade than anything I'm more surprised by that more than the signing yeah, and it's, I mean, he's going to run their power play, so he's going to be a pretty effective player for them. I don't know what Philadelphia is doing. I'm not really sure exactly what their plan is, but you're right. They traded uh, to get D'Angelo. They moved a second-round pick, a third-round pick, and a fourth-round pick. Um, yeah, they're, they've gone all in on a player that apparently last year they didn't want. So yeah. it's very interesting to see what Philadelphia is trying to do, and I don't know yeah. – I mean, I mean, and I would assume that this really sort of rules them out of the Johnny Gaudreau talks. I mean, because there was a lot of people thinking that he was going to wind up there if he hit free agency. So unless Philadelphia does something else, committing this much money to Tony Angelo kind of takes you out of the ability to pay nine or $10 million to Johnny Gaudreau. So I really have no idea what's happening in Philadelphia. It's going to be an yeah. interesting story. to They're watch. always way off the grid. Like you're like, I don't know what they're doing exactly, but they're doing something. Yeah. A lot of people are saying about, about like Chicago to, today like what the hell are they doing uh but this is the opposite right like we sort of understand what chicago is going for they're not not everybody's necessarily in agreement with how they're getting there but people can't figure out what philly's trying to be yeah or trying to do right it's just a really weird situation um the goaltending carousel was a big storyline uh especially on the beginning of day two because there was a ton of action that morning when it came to people moving around. Vitek Vanacek went from the Washington Capitals to the New Jersey Devils, along with a 2022 second round pick and Washington gets a 2022 second round pick and a 2022 third round pick. Uh, so now New Jersey is going to run uh, with Vanacek and I think Mackenzie Blackwood kind of as their tandem there. Uh, mm-hmm. They were kind of the first movers and then everything else happened after that. So what was your, before we get into the other goalie moves, do you think New Jersey's kind of, rolling with this okay we got a Vanacek Blackwood punch here we think we're good and New Jersey was rumored to be one of the big players in a couple of the major names that were out there uh for the goalies this season so or this summer what did you think of that deal um I'm not surprised by that what like you said New Jersey said they wanted a goaltending and Washington I knew wanted to shake up their goaltending from what we kind of have heard so I'm not surprised um by that I do think maybe New Jersey will stick with that tandem um I know there was questions about Mackenzie Blackwood but I do think he can be better than what he is for sure I've seen him play against the Blackhawks he was really good against the Blackhawks actually but so um I would probably stick with that but I am surprised with how slow the goaltending um, tandems are moving along. It's really only just Morazic, Flurry, and that's really it. Like 
Kemper's still on the market. We got Campbell on the market. I thought during the draft that they would for sure go. Um, and it's still kind of in limbo. So I'm surprised by how slow this is going, knowing the demand. Yeah. I mean, I suppose the other thing here too is uh, one about Washington. It tells me that they have a play for somebody, right? If they're willing to move out Vanacek, they need a goalie badly now. So who are they? Because they can't get Billy Huso. He just went to Detroit in a trade and then Detroit signed him for a three-year $4.75 million contract extension, which I think is okay. Uh, it might be an overpayment for guys who only played 60 games in the NHL, but Detroit can afford to do this. They've got all sorts of cap space. They've got a pretty good tandem there now, a young group that could grow if Vili Huso turns out to be what people think he's going to be. Detroit's going to look like geniuses here. Um, but I think Washington's got to have – do you think Kemper's on their radar? Do you think they know something? Like, I don't even know the GM in Washington was like, yeah, maybe I should have done this yet. Like he almost came out and said, this kind of puts me in an awkward spot, doesn't it? Cause there's still more teams than there are available goalies. When you talk about Kemper and you talk about, well, Flurry signed in Minnesota and we'll get to that in a second. Um, there and Campbell's probably leaving Toronto, but all they're talking to him, maybe going to Edmonton. Like there's not enough goalies to fit all these teams. Does Washington have somebody on lock? Do you think, I know you're not technically supposed to talk to anybody yet, but we all know that they do. Do you think they already yeah. have somebody in you know, in their sights and they figure it's done? Yeah, like you said, you have to. If you're moving a goaltender, it's because you have someone else on your radar. It's just like Joe Sackick does every year with the Avalanche. He moved Grubauer and he got Kemper. Like, it's just like you just know those things. Um, but, yeah, it, there has to be something brewing up there. I don't, I don't see Kemper on Washington, though, but I do think that Washington has other plans for sure. They're not going to go with what they have. It was underperforming last year, and something's got to change. But, yeah, we'll see. It'll be interesting because I know Friedman is reporting that, that Washington is interested in Kemper, that they actually tried to go out there and get him uh, previously, and then Colorado got him, and that they're going to make a pitch. I don't know if that means they're going to land him. I don't know if that means Kemper is going there, and if they're willing to pay what we're hearing is six times – you know, five and a half, six million bucks a season. Um, that's going to be very interesting to see if Washington, they, they've got some room if Backstrom doesn't come back. So they've got some cap space to play with. Let's talk a little bit about the Minnesota Wild situation. Holy crap. This whole Cam Talbot thing with Marc-Andre Fleury. So for those who don't know, Marc-Andre Fleury signs a two-year extension with the Minnesota Wild. We figured maybe he'd go to market. We had heard that it might be at a one-year deal with Minnesota, but that was, you know, reported to be inaccurate Thought he tested the market, but he doesn't. He actually signs a two-year deal. From reports that I'm hearing, his conversations with Bill Guerin basically hinged on the fact that he wanted a multi-year deal and he wanted to split the season. He did not want to play 60 games. He was not looking for a full-time starting role. He wanted to be on a team where they thought he'd be, they could be competitive. He'd have a good partner, play half the games. So Guerin was cool with that. But he didn't talk to Cam Talbot about it. So he didn't say, hey, Cam Talbot, this is what we're doing. Now, it's not up to Bill Guerin to have to talk to a player about this before he makes the decision. But what we're hearing now is that Talbot's not necessarily pleased about this. He is not uh, one. I don't know if it's about the splitting of the games. Maybe he doesn't care about that. He is in a contract year, and he probably wants to play a lot and get good numbers so he can you know, capitalize in free agency. But it's about those, the money. Marc-Andre Fleury paid $3.5 million. Cam Talbot's making three. Marc-Andre Fury's got two more seasons now with Minnesota. Cam Talbot's got one. So Talbot's agent and Talbot have sort of said to Bill Guerin, look, we'd like an extension here. We want to feel like we're appreciated. We want to feel like we're on an even level with Marc-Andre Fleury. If we're, and now you've paid him more and you've given him more time. 
what's going to happen here? Do you think like, is this a situation where Garen who by the way, came out and really blasted Talbot's agent and responded to comments that he had a lot to think about. And he's like, no, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I won't quote him exactly. Cause he used some pretty interesting colorful language, but he's like, I don't have to do anything. He's like, I plan it. This guy's on a contract. I'm, I'm going to play him and he's going to be happy. And if he isn't well, too bad. Uh, but this is how we're going to win hockey games. So do you think this could lead to something? Is this just going to blow over in the next couple of days? Is this going to be all fine? Could Talbot get traded here? I think it should blow over because from Marc-Andre Fleury, he said he did talk to Talbot and they seem like they're on the same page about splitting games and how that would be good. It worked for them last year. And I get where the wild GM is going here. I get where Bill's going here. Um, Obviously Marc-Andre Fleury is in a different conversation than Talbot. He's paid his dues. He's won Stanley cups. He's a Vezina trophy winner. He's going to get paid more. He's going to get his dues. That's just what it is. Um, Talbot's interesting because he had a really good, season last year but he kind of falls off from here to there so I understand that they want respect in that way but I mean I guess Bill's right he doesn't owe him an explanation he's still under contract so he's still there it's that's kind of their commitment I guess in their eyes but I don't see Talbot getting moved no because um I do think Flurry does need to split games um we kind of saw that with Chicago and stuff um he is older he's still great but it is probably in his best interest to split games so that it's not such a heavy workload on him especially when the playoffs come around so i i don't see a trade there but i do think this will blow over too i think it should if you're talbot um because if he plays really well again this year he can get his big payday next year whether it's in minnesota or elsewhere so we'll see yeah it doesn't make sense for garen to want to trade him even if he's not necessarily happy right now because he's on a good contract he's on a short term He'd have to get a replacement in goal if he moved Talbot. So either he's getting a goalie back or he's having to go out and find one in a market that doesn't have any. Um, So why would you move him? Like, it doesn't make any sense. And Minnesota is trying to be as competitive as they can be with real salary cap restrictions because of these buyouts that they did. I don't know why you would move Talbot, even if he's pissed. Like, if you know, like, just like chill out, dude. Like, we all get pissed sometimes. This is just what happens. It's just pro sports. There's money involved. There's all this but you'll be fine, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm assuming Talbot will probably be fine. I know him from here from Edmonton, played a couple of golf tournaments with the guy's really nice. Like he's just really down to earth, really, you know, friendly and stuff. I just don't see why he would be this bent out of shape about something. So I'm wondering if this is more positioning from the agent's perspective, trying to you know speak on behalf of his clients, say, Hey, let's maybe throw this guy a bone and let's talk extension right away. But Garen's like, nah, I don't need to like, it's not, something I'm required to do. I've got my two guys and you need it now in the NHL. You need two good goaltenders to get you through a full season. Cause there's just no way, especially flurry. He's not staying healthy all year. Yeah. Just, I can't see it happening. Right. Where do you think Jack Campbell goes? Where do you think Darcy Kemper goes? So those are the two big names. Left. And I suppose we could throw Matt Murray into this conversation too, because and John Gibson, maybe because they're the two guys in the trade block that have been talked about this weekend. Do you have a projected landing spot for either one of those two guys? Well, knowing that Buffalo was wanting Mark or Matt Murray, um, but he the Buffalo was on his no trade list, makes me think they're still um, in the market for a goal, even though they signed Craig Anderson. So, I wouldn't be surprised if Darcy Kemper ended up in Buffalo or something like that. I would, or uh, but Campbell likes back to go to a playoff team. Now that you kind of mentioned um, maybe an Oilers fit, I do see something like that happening for sure. But I could see, like I said, so that those would be my picks. I think that. Um, yeah, Campbell maybe to the Oilers and then maybe Darcy Kemper to Buffalo. For some reason, I don't see him on the Capitals and I don't know why. 
It just, I don't think that's going to happen, but is, I will eat, I will eat crow if it does though. <laughs> <laughs> is it about the money? If he goes to Buffalo, yeah. is that all it is for Kemper? It's about the money? No, uh, I mean, yes, that's a good, but I also think it'd be a good fit for him. Um, they need a goaltender. It's kind of an up and coming team. They could use someone with Stanley cup experience, another goalie with that. So I think it could make a good fit. Okay. So that's cool that you, if you see Buffalo as a team that is going to be maybe a little bit better than people project them. Cause I know that nobody's really look at, at them as a serious, especially when somebody like Matt Murray says, no, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, what, what's Buffalo going to do, but you could be right with the right goaltender with, uh, you know, some good trade returns, some young guys coming from, you know, the Eichel trade and things like maybe they could be a better team than a lot of people are expecting. So if you get the right goaltender in there. You never really know. Mm-hmm. What about uh, the Cassian trade to Arizona? This seems like an obvious one. Obviously, the Edmonton Oilers needed to move out cap space. There was talk all week that they were going to try to do that. Zach Cassian was probably the most obvious person there, uh, making way more than he should have been making, considering now I get it was an overpayment when they gave him the money. But at the time that they gave him the money, they did not have half the roster on this team and the depth that they do now. So Cassian sort of worked his way out of the top nine. And he's just drastically overpaid for where he's playing now in this roster. So you got to move him out. You got to move down a pick or two to do it. You got to add a couple of later round picks that may or may never actually be in the NHL. I don't mind this trade. I, it's good that the Oilers freed up the money. Uh, Arizona proves once again that they're willing to take on uh, salary cap space, things like that. And then coupled with the Duncan Keith retirement news, which you know this player quite well, what do you think the Oilers did? How did they do in freeing up? Because they got like about 20 million bucks to spend on, in free agency. So they were busy. They, they moved Cassie and they heard about Keith's retirement. They've got some money. I don't know if they're done yet. Uh, where do you think the Oilers sit? I actually think they did a good job, surprisingly. I, I think, um, like you said, I know Cassian was in the news or in the rumors a lot because of his contract. And the fact that they still got a first round pick for him, the Oilers did, that's pretty good in my opinion. And yeah, we laughed because. Uh, the Arizona always takes on everyone's kind of bad contracts, but he might be a good fit there. I mean, Arizona is still a really young team. He could be a good veteran for him. You never know, but either way, I think the Oilers did good on that. Just getting a first round pick and freeing up cap um, with Duncan Keith. Oh my gosh. I'm I, we love Duncan Keith. You know, he's, he's a big part of Chicago for sure. He's a hall of famer. He'll get his number in the rafters for sure. But it does hurt them right now with the cap recapture on their part. Like he said, Edmonton did good on that. Uh, with a freeing up cap space Blackhawks on the other hand got seven million dollars now yeah. uh, on the hook for them so that's uh, a little tough to swallow but that's what that's just what happens it is what it is and I think like someone said they gave up Alex to bring it six million to get uh close to seven million back so it's that's yeah. kind of weird but like I yeah but Duncan Keith I think we all knew his time was coming to an end he was getting older but he had a heck of a career um bravo to him i hope we see him at the united center next year for a ceremony of some sort yeah i was a little surprised that he didn't choose to come back but not shocked he was only going to get paid a million five on that five and a half salary cap hit so i mean this was the year in which he was almost a million five still a lot of money for a lot of people but for him considering what he's made over 17 seasons uh it's really nothing so i could understand why he decided and to in Chicago's defense, I think the delay in him de- announcing his retirement was that he did not want to stick Chicago with this recapture penalty, but he realized at the end of the day, there's no way around it. There's nothing you can do. And Chicago's going to have to eat this anyway. So 
Uh, he just decided, you know what, it's not worth me playing another year if I'm really not, my heart's not in it. And it sounded like he was talking at the end of the season from a lot of the Oilers guys that they knew. And the Oilers had probably known for a little while. They just haven't officially said anything because they wanted the player to have the chance to do it uh, and to make a bigger thing out of his retirement. So uh, they want to do something for him there. Uh, the casting trade should be interesting uh, to see what they do with that money and what the Oilers try to do with the money now. I think they're spending big on a goalie. Yeah. I know they're looking at Evander Kane, and we'll talk about that in a second, but um, it should be very interesting to see what happens there. So I guess we should probably talk very quickly. We'll run through what happens next. So it's calmed down a little bit here with the NHL draft. The trades have not uh, kept it up at the same pace that they were the first two days, but we still are keeping our eyes on a few people. If Genny Malkin out of Pittsburgh to see if he signs or if he goes to free agency, JT Miller, what's happening with him. We heard all sorts of talk about him getting traded out of Vancouver and that didn't happen. Uh, the two Canes, Evander and Patrick mm-hmm. Kane. We talked a little bit about Patrick Kane. Uh, we'll have to see what happens with Evander. And then Johnny Gaudreau. So which one of those names would you like to tackle first? Um, I guess we will start with Gaudreau because that one seems to be a big one today. <laughs> yeah, so he's basically sitting on what we're thinking an eight by nine and a half million dollar offer from the Calgary Flames. And he has not told him if he wants to take it or even hinted at what he plans to do. And it sounds like he just wants to see what's out there in free agency. It doesn't mean that Calgary is ruled out of this, but it leans more and more towards the idea that maybe Goudreau is taking off, um, which I think should be open up the door to a lot of options in Calgary, maybe Nazem Kadri or something like that. But um, if do you think Goudreau leaves, what would you give the odds of him sticking in Calgary versus leaving? Yeah, I think he's leaving. It's like, it's kind of what we just talked about uh, before with Tony D'Angelo. Usually when you say you're hitting the market, it usually means you're gone. I mean, there is a slight chance, obviously, but I don't see it happening. I don't know. For some reason, I always thought of Goudreau as someone who seemed like he maybe wanted out um, for some reason. He is American. He maybe might want to go to an American team. I don't know what his thought process is. I don't know if he wants to be closer to his family. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I don't see him sticking in Calgary, which I know is a big loss for them. He's a great player for them. Yeah, it'll be – I'm intrigued because he's not going to make a lot more money. In fact, they'll probably make less. Like, some team's going to give him seven years. And they'll give him more money because they can't give him the eighth year, but he's going to make around the same total, right? Between Mm -hmm. whatever Calgary was going to give him, whatever this new team, whether it's New Jersey or it's whoever is going to give him the same amount of money. So it's all about location for him and all about opportunity to, to go somewhere else. What about Malkin? Do you think he stays in Pittsburgh? I I don't even know if I give this 50, 50 odds at this point. Like it sure seems like they're just not, he thinks that they don't think he's good anymore. Right. Like, that's what he said was that he's like, well, clearly they don't think I'm that good a player. Um, Yeah, I think he'll end up somewhere. I don't think he'll be Pittsburgh, though. I just think, like you said, I think he's demanding more than what Pittsburgh is willing to offer, which is a kind of a tough reality for them. He's obviously a legend there. I don't see him staying, though. It'll be interesting to see where he ends up, though. I have no idea where he could possibly end up, but I know a lot of teams have interest in him. Do you think JT Miller moves before free agency? Like we were all hearing that this was probably yeah. going to be something that happened at the draft and it didn't. Um, I do think Vancouver is going to continue to try. I think they're going to want something for him as they should. He's a great player. You're going to want something for that. So I'll say yes. I'll say yes. He will get moved before free agency. I'm, I'm going to say no. Um, I, I hear what you're saying. I think the draft was the option. And I wonder if the trade deadline now becomes the new option. Cause he's not, they're not in a situation where they're forced to move him. And I think they're still actively trying to sign him. but mm-hmm. uh, I think that they were probably moved him at the draft. If that return was there, if somebody was really going to offer up a decent, you know, pick and they could have got it. And now that they didn't, I wonder if maybe they go, okay, well, we'll do it 
prior to the trade deadline and see what we can get uh, to a competitive team that wants to really win here. Um, finally, what do you think happens with Evander Kane? So what we're hearing late, the latest is that he's talked to the Oilers a little bit, that his ask is huge. Like we're talking mm-hmm. seven, eight million huge over six or seven years to the point where they really like him, but they're like, nah, I mean, not that much. Um, do you think he winds up getting signed to that deal in Edmonton or elsewhere? No, I don't think he signs in Edmonton, which I I don't know how exactly. I know because you're an Oilers fan. I know he was great for the Oilers the time he was there, but I don't see it happening for them, unfortunately. That might be too steep, especially with their goaltending needs. Again, I don't know where someone like him ends up. That's a big ask, but I do think somebody will take that on because the stats back it up, and sometimes teams kind of jump at that. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't know, but I don't think it's with the Oilers. I saw Kevin Weeks reported today uh, that their people are drooling over Evander yeah. Kane, which I was really shocked to see because, yeah, I get it. I understand why the Oilers want him because he had a tremendous run of 43 games plus the playoffs here for the Oilers. I even understand why they might want to give him five times six. Like, I could mm-hmm. see that happening, but to go, okay, well, we'll give you seven times eight or eight times eight or whatever, I just don't see it. And I think for some reason Kane thinks he's going to get it based on that and I don't know. I mean, if we just saying people are drooling over him, that clearly means his the narrative has changed around Evander Kane, and there is a market, whether it's two or three or four teams that are interested. That is a huge commitment and a major risk. Like Evander Kane is really good, but when he gets settled into these long term deals, it tends to be that his best behavior button gets flicked off. Yep, and it's going to be really interesting to see. I wouldn't do it if I'm the Oilers. Like I think there are players here whether it's Claude Giroux or somebody else that the Oilers could target if Evander Kane is out of the equation for them. And I would not be giving them that kind of money over that long of a term. I like him. I hope he comes back on a four or five year deal, but I don't see it happening. I think this is the first time I've really kind of felt like, yeah, Evander Kane's probably moving on. I'm just really curious to see who gives him that. And, yeah. and what happens if no one does, like if his grievance takes a really long time, the Oilers move on, sign other people, other teams, sign other players. And then all of a sudden Evander Kane's like, Oh man, <laughs> like what yeah. did I just do? Right. Like I've, I waited and I waited and I waited. He's either going to have to go to a really crappy team. That's got all sorts of money, or he's going to have to do another show me deal and see if he can't sign a one-year deal and get huge numbers again, and then try to do this all again next season when he doesn't have this grievance hanging over his head. So I'm really curious to see what happens here, but I don't think we're going to get any news on this before Wednesday. Cause the NHL does not seem in a hurry to get. This no, thing. not at all. Which is a very upsetting thing for us. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's cut her off there. This was a fun show. Uh, we'll do another one probably around the second or third day of free agency, if you're cool with it, because the Wait, first day is, is crazy. For the viewers that are listening, I just want to point this out before we wrap up that uh, when we were talking about pre-draft stuff, Alex it literally got traded, I think, 15 minutes after yes. we logged off. So I fully expect Evander Kane or JT Miller to be signed or traded by the time we end this show i know we messaged each other we said oh come on it's gonna happen yeah. 10 minutes ago like that's just how these things roll when you do these shows and there's so much action you know that you're probably going to run into a situation where as soon as you publish it it's outdated um yeah. but that's okay we had talked about it we had mentioned but we both thought it was going to happen and it did um so we weren't totally out to lunch we just didn't no. know where and ottawa was a slight surprise i think for both of us but uh, yeah, I'm assured that something's probably going to happen here when we log off and by the time I get this up uh, for people to listen to. But we will talk about free agency, uh, whether it's just before or just after and see what happens. Probably not the first day. We'll see. We'll see how busy it is. But uh, I hope you're uh, up for it and looking forward to it. And yes. I appreciate you coming on and doing this. And for everybody else, it's been another edition of the NHL Trade Talk podcast. 
Check us out on your favorite podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, and help us out. We're a brand new show, so be the first one to give us a five-star rating. That would be really awesome for us, and we greatly appreciate it. Brooke, thank you very much. (laughs) Thank you. Talk to you later.